sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Merry Christmas. Most of us are familiar with the details of the Christmas story, Jesus' birth, what happens to him as a baby. But when we look closer, we find some of the more amazing insights that are open, to, open up to us in Scripture. And that's what we're going to look at today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do so is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm joined in studio once more, as always, apparently, by <laughs> Renee Kranz. Hi, Renee. Well, Cheers. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Got tea and apparently espresso. It's just espresso. I have herbal tea with no caffeine, and, oh, and Bergwald's over I'm, here with I'm the espresso. doing the opposite. Yes. It could get wild by the end of the show. Ah, we'll see. Oops. We'll see. Um, so, Renee, what'd you get for Christmas? Well, I'm hoping to get something, but I don't know. If what? Get it. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. What? When we're recording, is... <laughs> so <laughs> I know. Yes, I don't re- know. We're recording a little something early. fabulous from my husband, I'm sure. So, but just to for the, your sake, the listeners know this because yes. they're. Uh, but today is well. I don't know with the way things roll around this department anymore. It should be around the 26th of December, <laughs> but I don't know what you that guys means. just post videos whenever you feel like it. We do sometimes. So yes. um, true. But we are we are now as folks are listening to this, we are into the actual Christmas season, yes. uh, which we've ta- we've talked about this before. But it's good to review, isn't it? Yes, it's always good to review. Yes. So Christmas, we know you know Christmas. Of course, is not just one day. Right, Renee. It is not just one day. So let's. What, what, what is what is like the what are the different time frames of Christmas? Do you do you know any any which, which ones of them? Okay, well you have Advent before Christmas, then you yep. have um, Christmas Eve, yep. Christmas Day, yep. the octave of Christmas. So what do you know about the octave? Of, okay, we'll it's come back. Days. We'll come back. It's eight. Oh, good. <laughs> well, well done. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll come back to the octave a little bit. And do you know anything else? Twelve days of Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No. Apparently, I'm not getting to what you want. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. There, there, there are just a couple more. Um, so the Christmas season, which is more than the twelve yeah, that days, that goes to the Epiphany. I, nope. Or does it go beyond that? Beyond Baptism to of the, the Lord. Back, you, yeah. you got it. And then this is not. Um, there, there used to be in a formal way in the church's calendar, the liturgical calendar, the church calendar, Christmas tide, which is not oh, the Christmas yeah. season. Uh, Christmas tide goes up until. Um, February 2nd. Oh, okay. So can I leave, is it okay if I leave my decorations up till then? Well, yeah. So, so it's, really not, it's not formally, Christmas tide is not officially <laughs> celebrated anymore, but a lot of people will still leave, Bill leaves his tree up until then. I mean, it's Chris, it's Charlie Brown <laughs> I, by the end, I think, but it's. I think my husband would freak out if the decoration yeah. oh, was still yeah. up by February 2nd. My wife, yeah, that's too long. Why are they still up? I'm putting them away. Up. Right, right, right. Uh, so those are the time frames. Um, let's back up a little bit. Tell me more about the octave of Christmas. What do you know about the octave? Uh, it's eight days. <laughs> we covered that already, uh, but just to reiterate, how many days is the octave, Renee? Eight. Thanks. It's eight what days, you know Um, Let me think. I don't. I don't know, and I'm sure so we talked about this last year, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah you didn't. Clearly, you didn't review. Uh, I, have, I have last bad memory. Episode. That's. Um, <laughs> what's the eighth day of the octave? Is that Epiphany? 
Mm. So Christmas is on the 25th. I don't know. The 1st of January is the last day. Is it 30? The 25th is the first. (laughs) So listeners, count at home with us. The 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th. 31st, 1st. See, I guess I wouldn't count the 25th as one of the days. But so Christmas Day is the first day of the okay. octave. So that's, a, that's actually, yeah, the the in, in church octaves, the first day is always, the the, the initial holiday is day one the of the octave. Okay. Yep. Okay. So what do we celebrate on? We celebrate Holy Family on June, January 1st, isn't no, it? No, we don't. We don't. Uh. Okay, I don't know. We celebrate Mary, Mother of God. Okay. And the circumcision of Jesus. Holy Family is the day after Christmas. Holy Family is Sunday, the Sunday it? after, after Christmas. Christmas. That's which, why I'm confused. Yeah, well, okay. that happens a lot, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so um, the and we're not going to be talking a lot of. Well, actually, um, the eighth. Day might come up, but so so the eighth day traditionally is when uh, a a baby boy, a just a newborn baby boy, would oh, be circumcised. circumcised. Okay. So historically, up until after Vatican II, um, the January first we celebrated the uh, the circumcision of Jesus, but then we also combined it because there was ancient. Don't want to get all the details. Mary's motherhood. So we set January first as now primarily Mary, mother of God. But if you look at the prayers of the liturgy, there's also reference to um, Jesus's circumcision so um 12 days go up until epiphany epiphany great and then the christmas season beyond that okay what i want to look at baptism of the lord is the weekend after epiphany is that right yeah 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 when yes so traditionally epiphany has the sixth that's transferred to the following sunday now um and then baptism of the Lord comes after that. Okay. Yep. Okay. What I want to look at, so having said all of that, what I want to look at is actually the um what we what we're reading here. So folks are listening to this shortly after Christmas. Um in last year's episode after Christmas, we talked about these initial feasts mm-hmm. that come right after Christmas. So the twenty although this year the twenty sixth is a Sunday, so we didn't observe it, but the, the, do you happen to remember the twenty sixth is a saint's feast day? Remember who's? Stevens. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just saw that. There's like a several apostles or something. So that Stephen are and then John yeah. on the 27th, St. John, right. the apostle. The and then apostle John the Baptist, universe. I believe. Uh, or... Nope, nope. And then the Holy Innocents. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> so three, so all different in different different forms of martyrdom, witnesses right. to Jesus right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So the, the readings in this first week uh, at Mass, the gospel readings in particular, come from um, uh, sometimes John's gospel. Uh, on his feast day, of course, uh, the Holy Innocents on um, from Luke's Gospel, where we read about the massacre, their massacre, and so on. But we also read about Jesus' presentation in the temple. And what I want to do in today's episode is actually um, unpack this detail of the Christmas story. Okay. Uh, because there are just some insights that I think as we're now into the Christmas season, um, approaching the new year, uh, and in light of our diocesan vision, what is that again, Renee? She rolls her eyes. <laughs> like, come on. Everybody knows it by now, right? I don't know. So everybody say it with me. 
lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. Good job, Renee. Just testing. Um, <laughs> testing everyone. There's good actually, job, everyone. Good job, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for saying along with Renee. Uh, there are some actually fascinating details in here that apply to our diocesan uh, vision. Okay. So I, I, what I want to do, this is Luke chapter 2, verse 22, 2, 2, 2, and following. Uh, and, and I'm going to go through and stop and and we'll unpack some of this. When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Okay, so going back to the time of Moses, there was a, a, a ritual by which after... Uh, 40 days after the birth of, of a, a baby boy, I think in particular, um, the mother had to go. So she was considered legally, not morally, but legally impure. So right. distinction between when I say legally, not morally impure, what does that mean? That means uh, according to the law of Moses, right? What, what does it mean to say what's moral impurity? That would be sin. Yeah, right. So this is, we're not talking about sin yeah. here. This we're is a about, legal impurity, yeah. which has to do with just giving birth and yep. all that stuff. Yep. So Mary, um, the mother, and then, uh, so one of the details here, um, they, when the time came for their purification, their purification mm. is Mary and Joseph. Because okay. for the rabbis, some of the rabbis at least at this time, um, not only the woman, but also anybody that she came into co- contact with, oh. like her husband, mm-hmm would also be considered legally impure. Oh. So they had to go up uh, to the temple to um, offer sacrifice to be legally, again, not uh, to be legally purified. Because prior to then, the woman for sure, and again, maybe also those uh, with whom she was in regular contact, could not go to the temple. So did people avoid women right after they, they well, had a baby? They, I, For those who followed this more strict observance, uh-huh. if you will, Presumably, did, yeah. yeah. So they won't be considered ritually or legally impure. Right. So they go from Bethlehem. They're in Bethlehem. Um, we talked last year about the last week, rather. Oh, yes. About the details, because, of course, they weren't staying in at the Ramada in right. Bethlehem. They were in a family, a, a relative's house, almost certainly. A, they were in a home. Um, they go from Bethlehem uh, up to Jerusalem to the temple so that Mary and Joseph can be um, legally purified so that they can participate in the temple. So here's the thing though. Would Mary have actually been legally impure? Would she have been? Well, I would say yes, because she went through the pains of giving birth and all of that. So I presume that all it was all the same as any other woman giving birth. So what, even though she was immaculate. So that there's a little bit of debate about this because okay. she is, Without, even though this is ritual or legal impurity and not moral impurity, because she's without sin, right? Um, would she have? Ha- is there? Can there be any impurity, ri- including legal or ritual? I would think so. And there may be what pe- what folks would say. Well, there's there's not, but she's doing this to avoid causing scandal, right? Just as Jesus sure. followed the 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 prescriptions of the mosaic law himself even though he as god is the law giver mm-hmm. uh he still followed them to avoid ca- causing scandal okay. so, so mary may have done the same thing um 
so they go up uh, to offer the the sacrifice. They offer a sacrifice according to law, um, a pair of two turtle loves or two young pigeons. Any idea, any guess, Renee, the significance, there could, because there is one, of Mary and Joseph offering a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. We talked about this once. We may have. Or I heard about it once. Um, I don't remember what the significance was. I know that uh, we there was some talk about uh, <clears throat> not everyone could afford to bring a lamb or a goat or whatever. I have no ding. I have no bell. No, I'm right, bell. Come on, bill. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> there, thank you. Um, yeah, because so they would make it something small. Right, because. Here it comes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. So the the typical, I don't, to be honest, I don't remember what the typical sacrifice would be, but it would be um, more significant than two birds. Right. Uh, so, but, but two birds, two turtle, two turtle doves or two young pigeons, um, were the offering prescribed for the poor. Right. So I wanted to make sure you could still participate Correct. and do that, I assume. Correct. Yeah. So what does that tell us? It tells us that Mary and Joseph were among right. the, 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 uh, Anawim, as they're called in scripture, the, the little ones, the mm-hmm. poor ones of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, not abject poverty, but they were not living high on the hog, which is interesting because Joseph's trade um, as a craftsman mm-hmm. was definitely considered a middle-class trade. Really? Yeah. I was just thinking it would be, it would not be. Yeah, but... no, but it, it definitely was. Okay. So, uh, so I talked uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking Bible translations and I mentioned one of my professors in grad school, a, a priest when I was studying in Rome about the Bible translation, which one's the best translation mm-hmm. your own. Yeah. Same professor was talking to him once and, and he had said, that oh yeah no Mary and Joseph they would have been probably upper middle class and I and I after class I asked him but then what's this then what's this about and he he said oh so <laughs> uh, it did give him pause so it seems likely at least at least at this stage in their life he was a small time contractor <laughs> <There, laughs> yes not a, he only had one he, truck not a truck and he, a trailer he didn't and have the, ma- the big operation right, that's right, right. so <laughs> they go there uh, and then we read. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So they're going to Jerusalem to the temple, and there's another, there's a, there's a lot of men in Jerusalem, but one of them is Simeon, who is righteous and devout, and he's looking for the consolation of Israel. What do, you, what do you suppose the consolation of Israel? What does that mean? I assume that means the <clears throat> salvation or rescue, which was to come was by way Messiah. of the Messiah, yeah. right? So this man, like pretty much every other mm-hmm. Jew, is looking for the consolation of Israel, the salvation of Israel, which was to come by the long-awaited right. Messiah. You know, and and if you have watched the chosen. Uh, series at all that they make that very plain that the Jews of that time were were very uh, that that was really a part of their lives mm-hmm. this whole waiting thing even though it had been so long centuries yeah yep. yeah so uh, well and, and we should say in particular um, salvation from Gentile rule right right so um, the glories of the now centuries ago Davidic and Solomonic. <laughs> Uh, yes. Empire, empire, really. That that's that's six hundred right. plus years ago, right? 
Uh, and since then, they were deported and then the, into exile in Babylon. Then they had to come back, but then the Greeks conquered them and then the Romans. You would and, think they would have been like, this is clearly not happening. Right. By but, then. But <laughs> they did not. They did not. No. They did not. So uh, he's looking for the consolation of, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So this might be interesting because a lot of people think, well, did the Holy Spirit come in Pentecost? But the Holy Spirit has always been present mm-hmm. active. Back to the very beginning of scripture, mm-hmm. hovering over the waters of creation. And we read, um, and he spoke through the prophets mm-hmm. in the creed every mm-hmm. Sunday. So the Holy Spirit has always been active. And there's a particular way in which he was active in the life of this man, Simeon. So we can, Luke tell, continues, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Okay, just, I want to pause there mid-sentence. What does that mean, Renee? Would you guess like the no, the ordinary way that this happens? The Holy Spirit's revealed something to Simeon. How does the Holy Spirit do that? Ordinary every day. Ordinary every day. A dream. I don't know. Uh, Talks do, to him. Does <laughs> taps him on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Has the Holy Spirit revealed things to you, Renee? Uh, I think maybe. And have you had dreams? It's not usually through dreams. Right. So so it's possible it was through a dream. It's possible through it was through something extraordinary. But that's an angel in a dream, but, I think. So the normal way the Holy Spirit speaks to us is sort of in the quiet of our hearts, oh, yeah, as it's sure. put. So mm-hmm. we just get a sense of what God's will is for us. So why am I saying this? Because it's likely that that Luke gives us no indication that it was something extraordinary. Right. A dream, a vision. It's probably just in a sense uh, of something. Okay. So what was the sense of? It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, which means Messiah. Mm -hmm. So the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon became aware that he, before he dies, he is going to see the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and we go on from there. We talked about this a couple months ago as part of our series in the mass. Um, this image, and this, this is not what Luke tells us. We don't know definitively what happens, but it, for me, it's a, it's a helpful reminder to uh, imagine how this day might have might have unfolded for Simeon to give a sense of how significant this was for him. So mm-hmm. Luke does tell us that he has a sense that he will see the Messiah before he dies. So he's inspired by the Spirit to go to the temple. So maybe, maybe there's one morning where he wakes up and he has this sense. He already knows I'm not going to die until I see the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe this, this morning... Today's the day. Right. So um, we're invited, some spiritual writers will invite us to think about what that morning would have been like for Simeon. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. waiting for something that you, are, you and your people, what your people have been waiting for for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And you've been waiting your entire life. And you have a strong sense that seems to come from the Lord that today is the day. Okay. 
I'm pretty sure he would have walked as quickly, maybe even <laughs> ran right. as fast as he possibly could mm-hmm. through the streets of Jerusalem to mm-hmm. the day, that day to the temple. And I wonder, we, I wonder, this is just occurring to me right now. My guess is he, he went to the temple expecting, what do you, what do you think? Not expecting, expecting a baby. Not probably not expecting right. a baby. Right. But somehow again, this is this is speculation, but I think informed by the sense of what we're reading. Um, that is, he's looking. He sees this young couple um, holding a newborn, forty days old, a mm-hmm. couple months old, and the the spirit, quote unquote, says to him, like he has this sense, that's him, not Joseph, right? The baby. So, again, Luke tells us. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, so he goes. He just goes in. Hey, give me your baby. Right. Can you know, yeah, put yourself in Joseph. Man. Yeah. What's going on? Who are you? And so this is to me. But remember, what's already happened um, shortly after Jesus is born, shepherds show up. Mm-hmm. So I think. Uh, they the, might be used to it by now. In the cho- I was just thinking yeah. in The Chosen, uh, the creator, Dallas Jenkins, he's, uh, well, he talks about this, but one of the lines that they give to Jesus is, get used to different. That's right. I think that Mary and Joseph <laughs> were already getting used to different. Yep. So this this elderly man comes and takes the baby, blesses God, and says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother, so Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And it goes on from there. So this short little um, statement of Simeon's has become part of the daily prayer of the church. Hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I probably have to read it again for me to. Lord, think. now let your servant go depart, as this translation puts it. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. To your glory, people, your people Israel. No, I'm so not. So this is part of the night prayer in liturgy of the hours. Oh, okay. The, the nunc dimittis, which is Latin for now dismiss your dismiss. So. Um, in Latin, the Latin translation of the Bible, now dismiss your servant. Now let your servant depart in peace. Okay. Every night when priests and religious and many deacons, many I do lay say people, the liturgy of the hours every day. Right. <laughs> when, I, do, I do not. When they pray night prayer, you, but... <laughs> this is part of yeah. the daily prayer of the church. Let your servant depart in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you... So, so, Simeon is saying, I've seen what you promised. This has been fulfilled for me. Now I can die. Um, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. That's noteworthy. Any idea why? Well, I noticed that he mentions the Gentiles. Right. Which most Jews thought he was only coming for them. Right. So... Jesus is 40 days old, and already somebody is saying about him that no, not only is this the the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, the glory of your people Israel, but there's also, 
through this child is going to be revelation to the Gentiles. Right. So, so the Holy Spirit was clearly speaking yes, to him. Yes, yeah. which would be, I mean, where'd Simeon get that from? Right. Did, did he already have it? Because it's present in the Old Testament. It's hinted at. Sure. Uh, did he know that? Or or was that just a, in a moment inspiration? Mm-hmm. Like the Spirit definitely is moving. I don't think, we don't, we don't know for certain. Right. But it's fascinating to consider. Um, so Simon, Simeon uh, blesses Joseph and Mary and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. Hmm. So this is um, a, it's considered, in a sense, a prophecy about Jesus. And again, what's striking about this is, this is the Messiah, but how is he going to be received, according to Simeon? Right. He is um, the fall and rising of many in Israel, a sign that is spoken against, and the thoughts out of many hearts may be that thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. So, not everybody is going to rejoice mm-hmm. at the coming of this Messiah. Um, some will speak against him, and he says to Mary, "And a sword will pierce through your own soul also." So again, right off the bat, there's already an indication mm-hmm. of what's to come. Right. Um, this is where just a couple minutes left. The connection to missionary discipleship. Jesus and the message of his salvation, which we're called to live and proclaim ourselves, um, fulfills the human heart, mm-hmm. every human heart, but not everybody will receive it. Right. Uh, so <laughs> we have to know that, that we're called to live our faith, to share our faith boldly according to the Lord's will, not be po- beat people over the head with it, but share it to live it boldly. Uh, but we have to recognize that Jesus is, Jesus himself is a sign of contradiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there will be people, as there were in his time when he was an adult, as prophesied by Simeon, there will be people today who will reject him and those who follow him, including us. It shouldn't be a surprise to us when that happens. It should not be a surprise to us. Um, Yeah, and then it goes on, there's this beautiful, we don't have a lot of time to to unpack this more, but uh, Anna, uh, a prophetess, uh, who was 84 years old. Um, she she basically lived in the temple. She worshiped with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. So we have not only Mary, the virgin mother, but now we have a widow and probably a childless widow. So these two women, Mary, Jesus' mother, but also Anna or Hannah, mm-hmm. the prophetess. By the way, Hannah, know of any other Han- Hannah, as a name in scripture, mean anything to you? Yeah, isn't that Samson's mother? Samuel's mother. Samuel's mother. Samuel's mother, yeah. So, and, and what, did, what did Samuel, what did Hannah do with Samuel? Do you remember? She left him in the temple. Oh, yeah. So, Anna, this, this woman, has now seen the constellation as a widow. Uh, so, there's a way in which Israel is both virgin mother, but also widow, awaiting the coming of her savior, mm-hmm. um, her spouse. And that has come in Jesus, and she she fasts, she prays in the temple, uh, and she too points people to Jesus. That's awesome. Amen. So, uh, good stuff. 
Good stuff. Thanks, Renee. <laughs> and that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at SFCatholic with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, may God bless you and Merry Christmas.